Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Bibles tonight, I invite your attention to the Word of God, to Genesis, first of all, Genesis 37. I want to read a few verses there before going to chapter 45. (coughs) Genesis 37, and I want to begin reading with verse 31. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want the Lord to have His way tonight, don't you? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put on sack, put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave into my son's mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Aren't you thankful that Not all stories have to end with a sad ending. But aren't you thankful that God's stories end with a happy ending? And we can look in the Word of God that that was not the end of the story. But if you'll go with me to Genesis 45. Genesis 45 and verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you, And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and a lord over all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord over all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And let's look at verse 24. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. And he said unto them, See that you fall not out by the way. 
and they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's, Jacob's heart fainted. I want you to note this. For he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And still it doesn't appear like he is convinced. But yet it says, And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And notice the transition, verse 28. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. He said, it is enough. Israel said, it is enough. Jacob, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. And I simply want to preach by the Lord's help for the next little while tonight upon this subject. The gift is greater than the garment. The gift is greater than the garment. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray that God would bless the remainder of our service here this evening, that His hand would be upon our efforts and be upon each and every one of us to receive His Word and the maximum that He has for us in this service tonight. Would you pray along with me? Let's pray aloud. Jesus, I'm asking You, God, to move. I'm praying, Lord, for Your great work to be done. I believe with all of my heart that you have a sovereign will for this service, and I pray, God, it could be executed here tonight. I pray that you would touch the hearts of every believer in this house, every guest that is here. I pray that you would allow them to be ministered to in the Holy Ghost. I pray needs would be met, souls would be touched. In Jesus' name we pray. Give us liberty to preach your word tonight. We thank you for it. Could you give glory and praise to the King of Kings? Hallelujah. Praise God. We can do a little bit better than that. Let's, let's really give him some praise. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. The gift is greater than the garment. Now I want to take a little time here and go back and examine this story a little bit closer. And let you understand what is taking place and what has happened just before our reading here, we understand that there was a great sweeping famine that came over the land, and how that Jacob and his sons that remained with him, uh, they were in dire need, and they were in a situation where they needed food because of this very vast famine and great famine that had came upon God's people. And so he had heard that there was corn in Egypt and that they had plenty in Egypt. And he sends the brethren of Joseph to go and ask of them that they could receive food for the famine. And little did they know that the very person that they were asking for assistance from was their very own little brother that they had sold to slavery many years before. They did not recognize him. And there was uh, sort of a, a volley that went back and forth of 
him sending them back with a few things and then having them return. And, and uh, I won't get into all the details of that. But I think it is important to note that though they did not recognize Joseph and who he was, that he was able to recognize them, who, who they were and their need of him. And aren't you thankful? And we know that Joseph is a type, almost a perfect type in the Old Testament to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And there's several things that validate that. But aren't you thankful, just suffice, suffice it to say, aren't you thankful that when you did not recognize God in your life, when you did not live for Him and serve Him as you should, and when you had needs and you didn't know how to see those needs met, that the Lord recognized you. He knew where you were, and He also recognized your need of Him, and He revealed Himself to you. Aren't you thankful for the revelation that you have of the mighty God in Christ? Aren't you thankful that God came and made Himself known in your life and ministered to you and your situations? And so the Scripture says when the time came that He finally was going to reveal who He was to His brethren, that He caused every man that was not one of His brethren, He caused every Egyptian to leave the room he wanted to be alone with them. And he made himself known, the Scripture says, to them. I think that's a very important point because most of what we receive and revelation that we get from God does not come in the masses and in the crowds. But a lot of times it's when we're closed and alone with God and we're praying and we're seeking the Lord in desperate need of Him. And that's when He shows up. And that's when He ministers to us. And that's when He chooses to help us. And I'm thankful for those times. I'm thankful for collective worship and coming together as we are tonight in the presence of the Lord. And I see the importance of corporate worship and coming together and be connected with the body of Christ. But I don't want to negate the importance of getting alone with God and personal prayer. And there's things that He reveals to us there that He reveals to us no place else. Can I just take a, a few moments here and talk to us about the importance of having a personal prayer life? If you don't have one, you need one. Amen. What you receive tonight is glorious. It's good. And you there's things that you receive in this atmosphere that you can receive in no other atmosphere. There's things that we get when we come to church we can get no other way. But there's also things that we get in our personal prayer life that we can receive no other way. And God wants to reveal things about His nature, about Himself, that we cannot receive in any other type of circumstance but in a time of personal prayer that we've set aside in the presence of God where we enter in and we get alone with Him and we shut the world out and the cares of the world out and say, God, I want to be alone with You. I want to spend time with You. There's something to be said for the person that consistently has a walk with God where they pray and seek the face of the Lord daily in a personal prayer life. Can you say praise the Lord? Matter of fact, a lot of what happens for us publicly is a result of people privately being connected and in touch with God. A lot of the power that you feel and the anointing that you feel when we come into a church service such as this 
is a direct result of people that throughout the week have been getting alone with God. They've been on their faces. They've been weeping tears. They've been being broken. They've been crying out to him. And he responds to that. And we begin to feel the blessing of that when we come together as God's people. Not only do you need to know how to pray, but you also need to be connected with people that know how to pray. Amen. Most of us are here tonight because there was somebody somewhere that prayed for us. Somebody that had a burden for us. Somebody that was concerned for our soul. Somebody that was sensitive enough to the Lord that when we found ourselves in a tight situation that the Lord was able to move upon them and they were able to take on a spirit of intercession and pray for us. Amen. Maybe they didn't even know that they were praying specifically for us. But it was laid upon on their heart a deep burden of prayer and as they begin to pray God begin to move in our situation aren't you thankful for the army of God that we are not in this alone but we have brothers and sisters in the Lord that are also linked up to the spirit of God and when we're in need God can commission one of them to pray and to seek God on our behalf And so he revealed who he was to them. And I note something here. The first thing that he did was he asked them a question that no doubt ever since they had came and he had met with them the very first time, this had been at the forefront of his mind, though he did not ask it. But when he finally reveals himself to them, he asked them the question, Is my father yet alive? Now, I don't need to go into all the background that Jacob and Joseph had a very special and close relationship. We know that he was a favored son of Jacob. And this was one of the reasons why these other brothers resented him so much and were jealous and envious of him. And uh, so the first thing that he asked them when he reveals himself to them is, my father yet alive? And the scripture says that their response was they could not even answer him because they were afraid. They were fearful for the reprisal that he was going to bring against them. That now finally the tables have been turned and he's in control. And we had power over him. We threw him in the pit and he was sold into slavery and we thought that he was gone and out of our lives for good. But now he is not only alive, but he is the governor of the land of Egypt. He's a man of authority and power. And so whatever he wills to do with us, he can do. And if he chooses to exact punishment upon us, then there's nothing we can do to stop him from doing that. And so they're fearful and trembling and afraid. And notice, notice what Joseph did. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Matter of fact, come over here closer to me. I want to show you that the years of being in, in a dungeon, in the years of loneliness and heartbrokenness has not made me hard. It's not made me uh, to want to bring vengeance against you or to get even against you or to bring some type of revenge where you're concerned. Amen. You know, we have a choice when circumstances happen in our lives. 
lives like this. When people do us wrong and things don't go our way and it seems like uh, enemies snipe at us and things happen, we have really a choice to make at that time. Just like Joseph did. He could either seek reprisal and revenge uh, or he could forgive and be blessed by God and God elevated him. Hallelujah. And, and I suppose this was a test. This was a test uh, for Joseph as well as, as many other tests that he had been through up until this point. But this really was a test to him. Now, finally, the reins of power is in his hand. Now he can do what he wants to do. And he can get the revenge that he wants to get against these brethren. But he has forgiveness and mercy in his heart. I want to tell you that person that has been through some things and God has saw them through, they have mercy in their heart for others that are facing difficulty and challenges and situations that are beyond their control and because they've been through it, they can identify with it. And it wasn't a hard spirit. It wasn't a hard heart. It wasn't a, an attitude against these brethren that he had. But it was, in fact, an attitude of mercy that he showed to his brethren. He said, listen, God had a plan in all of this. They didn't recognize that at this time. They surely didn't think that a, that a pit and a dungeon and all the things that Joseph had to go through and perhaps even while Joseph was going through it, he didn't realize all of what's going on or understand it or comprehend it all. But God had a plan in it and he was bringing Joseph right to where he needed to be. One of the most interesting things that you read in the scripture concerning the life of Joseph is told to us actually all the way over in the book of Exodus. It says that Joseph was in the land of Egypt already. So when God was going to sustain his people and he was going to feed his people and give them what they needed to make it through this famine, he had already sent Joseph ahead. He had already orchestrated that Joseph be governor over all the land and all the storehouses of Egypt he would be in control of and he would be able to give them exactly what they need. You know, sometimes when we're going through things, we wonder what in the world's going on and surely God's not in this and, and things is going against me and God can't be anywhere in this situation. But you know while we're looking at this on one angle, we're looking at this on one side of the equation, God is working over here, amen, for our good. And though we can't see it at the time, God is taking care of us and God is working things out for us. And when the time comes, he's going to reveal who he is and he's going to show that he's been working all all the while, Joseph was in Egypt already. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, though you can't see it, God's working in your life already. Amen. Though you don't know it, God is already working in the prayers that you've been praying and the faith you've been releasing. God is already working in that situation. Come on, somebody hear me preach tonight. Do you realize that God's working even though you don't recognize it, even though you can't see it, even though you can't comprehend it, even though you don't understand what's going on? God is already working in your situation right now somebody needs to say right now God's working amen 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 you see we're we're, we're so we're so uh, I guess in prison to our five senses 
we 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 gotta we gotta hear, we gotta see, we gotta taste, we gotta smell, we gotta touch, in order for us to be able to recognize it. We've got to be able to get in contact with it for us to be able to accept it. But sometimes God is working beyond the realm of what our humanity is able to perceive and what we're able uh, to even what we're even able to comprehend in our finite mind because he's infinite. Amen. He's God. He said in the book of Isaiah, he said, my ways are above your ways. Amen. I, I work and my methodology is different from man's. I, I don't do things the way man always thinks I ought to do it. and I don't always move the way man always uh, is able to predict uh, that I'm able to move. Uh, you know, science, they can predict a lot of things and they can tell you when an earthquake is just about the time that it's going to happen. And, and these storms that come, they, they can pretty well pattern what's going to happen and they can tell you when it's going to make landfall, what time it's going to make landfall, and, and what category it's going to be when it gets there, and, and they pretty much make predictions and projections of what is going to happen, but I'm going to tell you there's some things about God and in our walk with God that you cannot predict, you cannot project, you can't say here it is and there it is and this is point A, point B, and on down the line, but God moves on his own time and in his own way, but when he does, it's perfect. I said you have to trust him that he knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. I said you have to trust him that he knows what's best. Amen. Praise God. I don't understand why people have to go through some of the things that they have to go through and face some of the things. But God is in the soul saving business. He's not in the comfortable, palatable uh making everything pleasurable in this life business. He's in the soul. He's looking through the eternity lens. He's not looking through humanity's lens and, and the here and now and the temporary lens of life. He's not looking at this three score and ten that we're going to live out here, but he's looking on down the road. Where is your soul going to spend an eternity? And you have to trust God that he knows what's best. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody help me worship the Lord right now. He said God had a plan in this all alone. Amen. And, and he gives them a four-point message. He said, I'm going to send you back. But he said, I'm going to send you back with a message for my father. And there's really four basic points that he gives to them. Jacob feels hopeless. He feels broken. He feels at his wit's end. He feels forgotten. He is alone. He's in a desert place. He's in a place where it's been drought and now famine as a result of that drought. And so he's in a very dry, arid place. And I don't believe that that is just physically, but I believe after all that he's been through that we could also say that he's in a dry place spiritually. Has anybody ever been in a dry place? Has anybody ever been to a point in your walk with God that you needed an oasis? You, you needed a fresh, uh, refreshing drink of the well of living water. You needed the Lord to touch you. And you, you, you was in a place where you needed the Lord to revive some things in you and restore some things in you. Life itself had 
broken you down in some areas. And, and life itself, it calls there to be some wear and tear upon your spiritual walk with God. Amen. I got good news for you. God sends a message to the desert. God sends messages to dry places. You may be in a dry place right now, but you don't have to stay there. Amen. You're going to learn by the time this message is over that you don't have to stay in that place. My Bible tells me in the book of Acts that there is times of refreshing that shall come to the people of God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that God sends us times of revival, times of refreshing. He doesn't leave us just to dry out and die. Amen. But He refreshes. He renews. He replenishes. He puts joy back. He, he, puts, uh, he puts peace back. Amen. He puts happiness back and He puts completeness back and He helps us and restores us. Amen. He puts the zeal of living for God back. He puts the hunger for the Word of the Lord back. He can put it back in your spirit. Why? Because He's a God of restoration. He's a God. Amen. That is interested in replenishing and reviving. I feel something breaking up in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the touch of God in this place even as I preach tonight to tell somebody it isn't over. Amen. Don't give up. Don't don't just don't just give in. Don't just settle for less. Amen. Don't just say this is the end. Oh, but there's still hope tonight for somebody. I said there's still hope here in this house for somebody. God's got a message for you. You may be in a dry place. You may be in a desert existence right now spiritually, but I'm going to preach to you that God has a message for you. I said God has a specific message for you. Oh, praise God. I think we ought to give a little glory to the king right now. Uh, somebody ought to lift him up right now. Somebody ought to praise him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, wilt thou not revive us again in the midst of our years? Wilt thou not revive us again? Praise God. I'm going to tell you that question God wants to answer tonight with a hearty yes. How mean heaven wants to come down in this house and let somebody know, yes, he will revive, he will restore, he will replenish, he will renew, he will give back. He said everything that the canker worm and the palmer worm has eaten up and destroyed, everything that the enemy has taken away, I'm going to give you that back and so much more. I'm going to bless you and renew you and give back to you everything that the enemy has tried to take away from you. Hallelujah. 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 He said, first of all, First of all, he said, I want you to tell Daddy this, this message. He said, I, I, I want you to tell him this first point. He said, I want you to tell him, amen, I want you to tell him that I am alive. Yeah, you tell him I'm alive. Praise the Lord. I, I want you to tell him in case he's wondering. I know you fellas brought him a bloody garment some time back. And uh, the scripture indicates that he embraced that and let things formulate in his mind. 
He let things begin to get carried away in his mind. They didn't tell him that an evil beast had devoured Joseph. They didn't tell him what had happened. They didn't give him details. All they did was show him a bloody garment, and he jumped to conclusions. Isn't that how the deception of the devil works? He wants us to make mountains out of mohills. Little bitty conflicts, little bitty situations, little bitty setbacks, little bitty problems, little bitty ordeals, and he wants us to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, he wants you to make an atom bomb out of a firecracker. He wants you to make something huge out of something so small. Hallelujah. But you got to learn and wise up to the devices and the deception of the devil and how he works. Amen. Usually when you get to digging on something, it's not nearly as big a deal as you think it is initially. It's usually not that, that big of a situation uh, when you really get to analyzing it and you honestly uh, begin to, to dig into it and you're objective about it. You'll find out that it wasn't as big a deal after all. And he said... Uh, you know, he, he's embraced this lie that I'm dead and the evil beast is devoured. And he took this garment and he accepted it as being the truth. And he said, no doubt he's renting pieces. No use in even sending out a search party. Isn't it amazing to you that he didn't go out and try to find any remains? Didn't go out and try to find uh, anything to, to prove whether or not he was alive or dead. There's no evidence of that. He just took this garment that was tattered and torn and said, here it is. This is the end. This is the rest of, of the story, as it were. This is all, and I just have to accept it and learn to live with it. And I'm going to go from here to my grave mourning for that boy. That's what the Bible says. That's how much he embraced this lie, this untruth that had been given to him. But you know, sometimes we're no different than that. We accept lies that the devil tries to place upon us to limit us in different ways and in different aspects of our lives. There are certain situations that the enemy tries his very level best to get us to accept that you'll never be anointed again. You'll never be used of God again. You'll never truly be what God wanted you to be because of some mistakes and because of some past failures and because of, of situations that have arose in your life. You're handicapped forever. You're never going to overcome that. You're never going to be anything for God. Or the situation that you're praying about, you'll just have to learn. to. That's what, that's what he decided that he was going to do is I'm just going to learn to live with this. And you know that's what the devil wants people to do in this room. And I feel that so strong in the Holy Ghost right now. He wants you to learn to live with the limits that he's imposed upon you. Because he knows if you ever break out of those limits and you ever get beyond those boundaries that he's put out there that are really false and, and untrue and, and deceptive boundaries and, and, and deceptive things that are really not the truth. If you ever get beyond that and if you ever step beyond that, if you ever have the courage and the faith to break out of that, he knows that there is no telling what you can do for God, where you'll be in God, what will happen, the revival that God will bring. 
offering and the blessings that God will bestow upon your life. And so he tries to put you in a box. He tries to keep you in prison by the past. He, he tries his best to keep you down. He tries his best to suppress you with that deceptive spirit that you can never overcome. And you live out this lie that you've embraced and you've accepted and the limits that he's imposed upon you that this is what you got to learn to live with. i got to learn to live this life. i, I got to learn to live and cope with this condemnation. i got to learn to live and cope with this scar that is upon me. I, I've got to learn to live and to cope with this fear that it seems like won't go away. And you know what? When we prayed about certain things, we're kind of like the Apostle Paul. When we prayed and we've asked God and uh, take it away, take it away, this thorn that is affecting me and it feels like it's hindering me and it's buffeting me and I've asked you to take it away. And, and instead of, of seeing that God's grace is going to help us to overcome whatever limitation that it would try to place upon us, we learn to cope with it. We learn to deal with it. We decide within ourselves that this is the line that I can't cross and it's a false line that the devil has tried to put there. The lines and the limitations are lies of the devil that he's tried to tell you that you can't cross but somebody's going to step over somebody's going to get out of that come on that prison of the past those fears and those inhibitions are, are going to fade away and suddenly you're going to realize hey God really does want to use me God really does have great things in store for me God really does want to anoint and God really does want to bless and God really does want to answer my faith and prayers that I've been praying and honor the things that I've been believing him for if I'll just trust him Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody ought to get their hands in the air right now. Let's worship the Lord together. He said, don't only tell him that I'm alive. He said, but I want you to get in a hurry about it. He said, haste ye, go up to my father. Amen. I want you to note that we may be enduring things, it seems like, for a while, and it seems like heaven is brass, God's not moving, nothing's happening, nothing's, nothing's changing, it's just staying static, and we wonder what's going on, but when God gets ready to move, it doesn't take him a long time to do so. That's what you always need to remember. In the Minor Prophets, it says that he suddenly came to his temple. Hallelujah. And he said, haste ye. I know the famine's been going on for two years now, and you've been languishing away, and it looks like it's going to last for, for, for these whole entire five-year stretch. It's going to be taking place. I understand all of that. I understand that you've been living with this bloody garment and this coat uh, for all of these years, believing a lie of the enemy and accepting it as the truth. But, but the fact is, uh, when God gets ready to move, it doesn't take him a long time to do so. I'm going to tell you, it can turn on a dime. That, that's why every service, every service is important because every service could be a catalyst that pushes you into a dimension that you could have never reached otherwise. 
Oh, you didn't get that. But you you got to understand that that every service that we come into, I'm going to tell you, somebody says, well, it's just one service. It's just, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm there or not. They can get by without me. That, yeah, they can get by without you because one monkey didn't stop the parade. But I'm going to just tell you something. If you're not here, then it's going to hurt you. I said it's going to hurt you. Praise God. And you're not going to get the benefit out of it. I said you're not going to receive what you could out of it. Because you take the one service you received the Holy Ghost in and you wipe that out of the history of your life, your life would be completely different today. Oh, come on now. You're getting quiet on me. But I'm, I'm going to tell you. If you take the one service that you got your healing, you got your miracle, you got your prayer through, you got what you needed from the Lord, whatever it is, that landmark experience that God gave you in your life, you take that out, you wipe it into oblivion, and that your whole life would be different because of one service. Everything changed because it doesn't take God a long time. When he gets ready to move, it's a hastened work. It's a fast work. It can happen right now. It can change right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's why, amen, i got to believe God every time I step through these doors. This may be the night that God wants to turn things around for me. This may be the night that my healing comes, my deliverance comes, my miracle comes, my prayer is answered. Oh, yeah. He said, it ain't going to take me a long time to do what needs to be done. He may be over there suffering and enduring and merely surviving, but things are going to change in just a little while. I come to remind somebody that things can change for you in just a little while. Amen. It didn't take God a long time. I said it doesn't take God Amen. But just a few moments of touching you and everything about everything that you've had on your mind, every worry, every care, every fear, every inhibition, everything that has kept you and held you back can suddenly be removed and you get a whole new perspective, a whole new vision of God, a whole new understanding of what God wants to do in your life. Oh, praise the Lord, somebody. And he said, I want you not only to tell him that I'm alive, but he said, I also want you to tell him that I'm Lord over all of Pharaoh's house. Virtually this meant that he was the governor of the land. In other words, I have power. I have dominion. I have authority in this situation. Where your need is concerned, I want you to tell him, I want you to give him my title and I want you to make it very plain to him that I'm not just Lord over some things. You notice the word all was used. But I'm Lord over all of Egypt. This whole in Egypt was a very formidable and great empire at this time, you know. Uh, one of the greatest of the ancient world. And he said, I'm Lord over every resource, everything that is here. It is available because you know me, because you're going to respond to this message. I want you to understand that I have authority over it all. Praise God. And that's what we got to understand about our God. 
You know, sometimes we kind of categorize things that God is able to do and what he's not able to do or who he's able to do it for and who he's not able to do it for. We think, well, God's able to answer their faith and answer their prayers and able to work in their life because, you know, they, they've had a perfect life and they've had a charmed life. They was born with a golden spoon in their mouth and it just seems like everything has went just right for them. And, and I understand why God moves for them. They've never had any hiccups. They've never had any problems. They've never made any mistakes. Oh, baloney. Everybody here is a sinner saved by grace, the Bible says. Hallelujah. That don't mean that you stay a sinner, but you're a sinner saved by the grace of God. So we're here because of the grace of God. We're here because God is able to help us. And we need to accept the fact that we're not just anybody, but we're one of his children. And if a sparrow is to fall to the ground and he notices it, I said if a sparrow falls to the ground and he notices it, uh, then you you ought to realize that you're much more important to him than the sparrows that fly in the air but you're his child you were formed in his likeness he breathed his breath into you he gave you the breath of life he gave you a living soul I'm going to tell you animals don't have a living soul but you have a living soul why because God cares about you he cares about you he cares about you that's right hallelujah praise the Lord so the scripture says he said, I want you to tell him that I'm Lord over all. I got it all. I'm going to tell you in a congregation like this, there's all kinds of needs. There's people over here that's praying for backslidden family members. Somebody in there in the center section is praying for healing or maybe salvation for their own soul. Somebody over here that's praying that God would provide in a situation or giving them a miracle in a situation. And so you got it. All kind of different things and all different all different kinds of requests and needs that are present here in this house. But aren't you thankful that God, when it shows up to church, he doesn't say, well, tonight I'm just in the mood to heal back problems. Most Pentecostal churches, he'd have a full night if that's all he decided to do. You know, I shouldn't say this, but if you don't believe that, just go to a faith healing service. You know, I'm just in the mood to heal cancer tonight. I'm thankful that he has the power to heal cancer. And if that's all he'd done, that'd be awesome. Or I can only move. I'm restricted to only move in this certain area. That's not how God works. I find times that he was in the wind. I find times that he was likened to water, oil, the spirit I'm talking about the Holy Ghost is likened to a whole lot of different things and it moves and manifests itself in a whole lot of different ways. So it doesn't matter what your need is. He's Lord over all. It doesn't matter if it's cancer and that's a big deal. Amen. And it doesn't matter if it's a headache over here. It all concerns God and it does not cause any more, it doesn't cause any more effort for him to heal cancer than it does for him to cause a headache to vanish. Amen. Because he's Lord over all. Simply when he says it has to go, it has to pack up its bags and go. I'm going to give you an example of that. We, we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked about Legion coming and meeting Jesus on the shores of Gadara. And the scripture says, uh, when he asked, he said, uh, what is your name? He said, Legion, for we are many. Talking about the spirits that were on the inside. And 
many would have probably been intimidated because of the sheer amount of spirits or devils that was confronting Jesus. If they were confronting them, they said, oh, well, I, I better get another prayer meeting. I better put another couple of two hours in because this is, a, this is not just a few devils. This is a legion. This is a squadron of devils. This is a big deal. I'm going to tell you, when, when Jesus delivered this man, it didn't matter to him whether it was a thousands. I don't know exactly. There's difference in varying opinions on, on, on how many a legion was. It's safe to say thousands of devils that was in this man or the boy that was casting himself in the fire and, and, or Mary that, that had seven devils, the Bible said. It didn't matter to him. It didn't take any more effort to deliver that legion of devils than it did to deliver the seven devils from her. Amen. It didn't take any more. It didn't exhaust him in any more way or cause any more effort to be expended to take care. What I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't matter how big it is in your mind. Oh, we said, well, I, I mean, this is a big deal, man. We're going to have to. I'm gonna, I probably can't get God to even answer unless I go on a 30-day fast. I'm going to tell you what. It's, it's according to your faith, so be it unto you, the Scripture said. When you get your faith in the one that's in control of it all, when you get your faith, amen, released into the hands of God and say, God, this is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you because you're Lord over all. Come on, when you're Lord over a thing, that means everything's beneath you. That means you're in control of everything. Everything has to, has to obey. Everything has to come in line. Every order has to be fulfilled. Everything you say, every command you give has to be executed. It doesn't matter how small and it doesn't matter how big because you're Lord over all. You think when Mad Dog Mattis makes an order... And he says to a buck private, and I don't know if he has any buck privates around him, but if he says to a private, he says, go get me a glass of water. I'm sure that private, if there is such a thing working in his world, I'm sure that he nearly breaks his neck trying to get him a glass of water. Don't you believe? But all the power and all the authority that he has that command that he gives has to be executed no matter how minute it is. And then he can turn around and say, you know what? The president has given me a command and we're going to make an attack on a certain country where there's a terrorist camp and there's lives at stake here and even our own soldiers are going to be put in jeopardy and all of that. And when he makes that command, that order has to be taken care of also. It doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how small. Because he's a man that is in control. He is the defense secretary. I mean, he is the man just underneath the president of the United States. And, and so, what am I saying? I'm saying when you're Lord over everything, you have dominion, you have authority over it all. You think the thing that's badgering you intimidates God? You think the thing that you're up against, it keeps God uh, worried or keeps him up at night as we like to say? No, God's not overly concerned about that. All he's waiting on, I said the only thing that hinders him is our lack of faith. 
Only thing that hinders him is our lack of believing him and trusting him that he can take care of the situation. Hallelujah. Oh, come on now. Somebody needs to believe God. Say, God, I'm going to believe you that you're going to touch me in this particular thing that I've been praying about. And I, I, I want you to help me to have the strength to pray in faith. I want you to help me to have the strength to pray with full belief and trust that you're going to take care of it. I don't want there to be a part of me that holds back, but I want to give it all to you and say, God, I trust you at your word because you your Lord over all. And then finally, and this is my favorite part, he says, you tell him before you, before you get through with my little message, he said, you tell him at the end, when you tell him I'm Lord over everything, and you tell him I have all power and dominion, he said, you tell him to come unto me and tarry not. In other words, I have everything he needs. The only thing he has to do is get here in a hurry. You tell him don't wait. You tell him don't go home and pack up. Don't go home and tear down the tent. Pack it all up because I got more tents. I got everything he needs here. He doesn't have to go home even get a toothbrush. When he gets here, I'm going to have one for it. I'm going to tell you everything that he needs, I am able to supply it. Praise the Lord. You tell him to come unto me and tarry not. Don't hesitate. Sometimes we get to a certain point and we start balking. We start worrying. Is it going to work out? We All we need to do is just make up our mind. I'm not going to let anything inhibit me. I'm just going to run to where he is. I'm just going to call on his name. I'm just going to trust him that he's going to take care of it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to spend another day, Jacob, in a dry place, in prison by the past, without hope. I want to tell you, you can come unto me and tarry not. He sent them with a message and he told them to hurry. And then he told him, he said, once you give him the message, you give him a command to come unto me and tarry not. In other words, he needs to respond. He needs to respond quickly. He needs to respond now. He doesn't need to let the excuses of the past. He don't need to let any of his inhibitions. He don't need to let anything that is used to hinder him in the times gone by from coming. He needs to come right now. He needs to respond right now. He needs to make his way right now because I have everything that he needs. I wish somebody believed what I was preaching right now. I wish somebody believed that God has it. Uh, amen. All I got to do is respond to him. You can't get it just sitting there. You can't get it, uh, amen, without responding. Sometimes you got to step out when you don't feel nothing and say, I'm getting out of this dry place. I'm not going to stay in this dead place. I'm not going to stay here and sulk any longer. I'm not going to stay here and worry any longer. I'm not going to stay in this place, uh, amen, of bondage anymore. I'm not going to be limited by the devil any longer. Amen. I'm making my way. I'm coming and I'm tearing not. I'm not going to wait another service. I'm not going to let another week go by. I'm not going to wait till the next revival is scheduled. But I'm coming now. I'm coming for a miracle now. I'm coming for my healing now. I'm coming for my prayer to be answered now. I'm coming to possess my promise now. I'm coming now into the presence of the Lord. Musicians, would you come? Let's remain standing.
He said, now, fellas, your credibility is not the best when it comes to dad. And he may not believe your message at first. Because fact is, they're going to help me. Fact is, they brought a bloody garment. You brought him a bloody garment. And you told him. Is this his coat or no? Is this the one you gave him? And I realized this is not a coat of many colors. And I realized this is not real blood. But this is going to serve my purpose tonight. And he took that and he examined it and said, yeah, that's, that's the one I gave him. He looked at the evidence and the torn garment and the blood that was on it. And he said, that has to be evidence of an attack of a wild beast that's devoured him and eaten him up. No doubt he's dead. And I'm just going to have to embrace and accept this. And so when they come with this message of hope, and they told him, hey, he's alive. He's governor over all. And he's given you an invitation to come on and come quickly. He said, well, I'm sorry, fellas. The Bible said his heart fainted. You understand it wasn't that he didn't. There's probably nothing that he wanted to believe any more than the fact that Joseph was, in fact, alive. Nothing he wanted to believe any more than that. Nothing he hoped for anymore. But so false evidence. He's dead. His heart fainted, and he believed them not. Jacob's heart faded, Sam, and he believed them not. But you see, before Joseph sent them away, he said, I'll tell you what, fellas. He said, just in case you don't believe the message at first, he said, I want to send something along with you that'll be more than just a message to him. But this will be convincing. I'm going to load some wagons down with some supplies and goods that are really this is not but just a little bit of what I've got to give to him. This is just a little bit of what's in the storehouse. This isn't near everything. This is just a tiny bit. But maybe it would be convincing enough that he would believe what you're telling him and come before he dies in that dry place. And so while he's thinking over what they've said and he's not accepting it, and he's remembering this bloody garment. The scripture says that he looks out on the horizon and he sees dust churning up. And I realize this is not a, this is all just, just an object for us to get a visual here. But there's a wagon that starts coming down the way, has gifts piled up on it. Stop right there, brother. And he gets a look at that. Everybody see what I got here? Hey, man, I, I got a gift. How many likes gifts? Oh, you don't have to be reserved on that one. Hallelujah. And he notices, and suddenly this begins to register. What they're saying is the truth. This is, in fact, right. And the Bible says something happened in the heart of Jacob. 
Jacob was the old nature. Jacob was the conniver. He was the supplanter. He was the deceiver. But in those two verses, there's a transition that takes place because you remember that the Lord had changed his name to Israel, meaning a prince having power with God. And while he was in doubt, he reverted back to his old nature. And any time that we live in doubt, we revert back to our old nature. But he looked and saw the gifts. And this Bible said the spirit of Jacob, their father, was revived. And Israel said, it is enough. I don't need any more convincing. I don't need anything else to be done for me. I don't need any more proof. It is enough. I will go and see him before I die. I'm going to get there before I die out in this dry place. I'm going to be obedient to the message. I'm going to come and receive. Hallelujah. Now, there's a lot of things that I could, I could parallel this with, but I'm going to tell you the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance. It's just a little down payment on what heaven's going to be like. Amen. And, and, and if you think the Holy Ghost is good, then you really want to go to heaven because it's really going to be great. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. But when he saw that gift, he had a choice to make. Because I don't know if he had it with him at the time, but somewhere I, I believe that he still had a garment, a bloody, tattered, stained garment hanging somewhere that was a reminder of the first message that they brought him that told him that Jacob or Joseph is dead. And he, he accepted that. And then he sees this message or sees these gifts that comes through the second message. He has a choice to make. The only way I can receive that gift is to reject this garment. I can't hold on to this and get that. I can't hold on to my past. and I can't hold on and I could preach for an hour right here and I won't. But you just fill in the blanks tonight. You put it where it is in your life. You use this illustration. You know what it is that's inhibiting you from receiving all that God has for you. I could be talking about the Holy Ghost when I talk about the gift. I could be talking about uh, anointing and ministry and a work for God. I could be talking about a lot of things. But you're never going to get that hanging on to this. You'll never be able to receive that as long as you've got this embraced. As long as you're holding on to that, you'll never be able to get this. But the moment that you let that go, the moment that you cast that aside, you're a candidate to receive what God has for you. That ought to make somebody shouting happy right now to know that the only thing God's requiring of me is to reject some things that I need to get rid of anyway, that I need to let go of anyway. You need to let go of that past anyway. It's badgering you. It's beating you down. It's condemning you. Get rid of it. Get out of the blood. Be cleansed of it. Come on, you need to let go of that fear that's been keeping you up at night and keeping you worried all the time and keeping you beat down all the time and hindering your worship. You need to get rid of that and accept faith. God, I'm going to live in faith. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to exist in fear. I'm not going to survive in fear, but I'm going to live in faith. Trust in God. Hallelujah. That's right. Praise God. The only way I can do it 
is I got to reject that to be able to receive that. Hallelujah. How many wants to receive something from God tonight? Come on, I mean, I'm talking about you really want to receive something from the Lord here tonight. And he believes there's some promises and there's some things that you're yet to possess in God that you need to receive. There's some prayers and there's some dreams and there's some spiritual aspirations that you're reaching for that you haven't gotten it just yet, but you want it. Is there anybody here? There's some things you got to let go of. You got to release. You got to. You can't hold on to hurts, and you can't hold on to offenses, and you can't hold on to a bad spirit and get the blessings of God. You got to let it go. You got to release it. You got to say, God, it's not worth it. I want what you have for me. You can't hold on. You can't hold on to those excuses that you've had about yourself saying, well, I'm just not qualified and I just don't have those talents and I just don't have... I'm going to tell you, if God called you, you've got to believe that He's able to equip you. You've got to believe that He's able to help you to be able to fulfill the thing that He called you to do. Can you say amen? And we see another illustration of this in the Bible. The Bible said that when blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, when he was there by the side of the road, and Jesus came down that road that he cried out to him, Jesus, thou son of David. Of course, the disciples, we know the story, tried to tell him, you need to be quiet. You need to stay in your place. You need to realize that the Lord's got better things to do than to fool with a beggar. And he just wouldn't be silent. The Bible said he cried out the more. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Lord stopped He's walking down the road. He stops. Now, I don't believe for a minute because Bartimaeus was blind. I, I don't believe for a minute that he realized what was happening. But others there realized what was happening. He, Jesus stopped and began to turn. Bartimaeus didn't see it. He just kept on crying out. He just kept on calling Sometimes we think, well, I, again, I can't see it, and I don't understand what's going on. He must not have heard me. Oh, but you don't realize how close he's in the process right now uh, of coming to where you are and ministering to your need and touching in your situation. And he called for him, uh, and they went over, and they, they got Bartimaeus and said, he, the master's calling for you. And the Scripture said that he cast aside his garment. You read it, it's there. He cast aside his garment. What does that mean? He realized that there was a garment that identifies me of who I am. I'm a beggar, a blind man, and this garment identifies my status in life and where I'm at. But I won't be needing that garment no more because I'm going to receive something. And so the only way I can receive that is I got to cast this away. And I can't continue to be blind and be blessed at the same time. I can't continue to live that lifestyle and be what God wants me to be. So I'm going to cast that aside. And I'm going to receive. I'm going to reject that thing. And I'm going to receive. Come on, is there anybody that wants to receive the blessing and the touch of God? I want you right now to leave whatever that is in the pew. You know what it is. Come put that gift on the altar. I want you to come down here. It's 
not this gift. It doesn't have anything to do with this package, but it has everything to do with your faith in God. I want you to leave at your pew the garments of condemnation. I want you to leave at your pew that voice that says you can never be anything for God. I want you to leave at your pew all the doubts, the inhibitions, and the fears that you've had. I want you to leave at your pew that voice that tries to tell you that your prayer is never going to be answered, that God doesn't care, and God's not concerned about your situation. I want you to leave that at your pew and make your way to this altar tonight and throw your hands in the air and say, God, I come to receive. I come to receive. Come on, lift up your voice. I come to receive. I come to receive tonight. I come to receive something from you tonight. I reject the past. I reject who I was. I repent of who I was. Amen. I come to receive from you in this house tonight. Come on, somebody needs to get earnest before God. Sometimes we need to get desperate before Him. Somebody needs to call on Him. How hungry are you tonight? How thirsty are you tonight? How desperately do you want it tonight? How much, how much of Him do you desire tonight? Do you have capacity to receive? Amen. Take that thing and throw it aside and say, God, I come to be receptive to whatever it is that you desire. I'm standing in faith. I believe in your word. I trusted you for a miracle. I refuse to stand by.